Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. In the beginning, there was God. In the very beginning, there was God. But God is one of the most misunderstood things just in the universe. You say God and it conjures up all sorts of different ideas and just uh, things that people think. One person's idea of God is completely different from the next person's idea of God. In the beginning, there was God. Before there was anything, before there was us, before there was the planet, animals, trees, the universe, there was God. Let me tell you a few things that the Bible says about this God to help you understand who the real God is. The first thing it says about this God is that he is holy. Do you know that right now in heaven, he is surrounded by creatures, heavenly creatures, angelic creatures, and these don't look like the ones you see on a, like a Hallmark card. These are mighty creatures that almost look like something mythic. They're described in the book of Revelation. They surround his throne, and there's nonstop this being said, holy, holy, holy. What does that mean? It means he is perfect in all his ways. He's sinless. That's why he says that I am light. Nothing evil, nothing bad, nothing wrong comes from this God. He is also eternal. God's always been. Man, I remember when I was a little kid just trying to comprehend that. I was going to church as a little kid, and uh, my friend Ricky went to church with me, and I went over his theological talk probably at the age of six. We were literally sitting up on top of his chicken coop, and I said, Ricky, you know how they talk about forever and ever and ever and ever, and God's always been. He didn't have a start. He didn't have a mom or dad. I was like, I don't get that. Ricky was like, that's so hard to understand. But God is eternal. He's always been. That's hard for us to comprehend because we have mom and dads. We have a day that we're born, and we know that there's a day that we're going to die. We're so used to seeing a start, a finish, but not with God. He's always been. That's what the Bible says. It also says that the theological word is he's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. All-powerful. Nothing is more powerful than God. We love power. We love superheroes. We love to know which power that superhero has. I love all the superhero movies, all the Marvel stuff and DC stuff. I love all of it. I love the X-Men stuff. God is all-powerful, omnipotent. The Bible also says that he is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. There's nothing that God doesn't know. God doesn't need to Google anything. He doesn't need to read anything. God knows everything that has been, is, and will be. That includes you, your heart, your mind. God knows everything about you. There isn't a thought that you've thought that God doesn't know about, a motive that you've had that God doesn't know about. Every word that you've spoken, God knows it. The Bible says that all the hairs on your head are numbered by God. 
He knows so much about you. He knew you before you came from your mom. It's amazing to think about. The Bible also says that he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at once. Now, yes, God is in heaven, but there is no place you can go to escape God. You can go to the the depths of the ocean, and God is there. He sees that. He hears that. Here now, God is here. God is aware. You say, man, I can't see him. There's a lot of things we can't see, but we still know it's real. God is omnipresent. That means even those times when you think nobody saw, yes, he did. For me too, because there's stuff I wish nobody saw that I've done in my life. The Bible also says that he's just. He's a just God. What does that mean? We actually love justice as human beings. I look at the movies that we love. One of my favorite actors, he may be my most favorite, I think. Yeah, I think he is. I can't think of anybody that tops him. Denzel Washington. And one of my favorite movies that he plays in, he says there's a couple, but like Man on Fire, where the little girl is taken, and he's like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and he goes, he's going, he's going to take care of business. He's going to get her, and he's going to bring what? He's going to bring justice. Those kidnappers are going to get what they deserve. Now, it's so funny in our society how much we crave that because we don't see it a lot of times. Our government, man, well, a lot of times we just give people a slap on the wrist for the most hideous crimes. And then people that do some of the pettiest crimes, it's like, you're going to jail for 20 years. Another movie that he played in was uh, The Equalizer. I don't know if you've seen that, where he's just like, he's coming for people. All these people that have been mistreated, stuff's happened to them. Life hasn't gone fair. Life hasn't been just to them. My man Denzel, man, he's like this ex-CIA operative hitman. He's just like, I'll take care of it. And it's so funny how much so many of us, we love movies like that. We're like, bring it. But here's what we don't like about justice when we deserve it. It's like, yeah, you better give them what they deserve. Well, what about you, what you did? No, man, I ain't about justice now. Justice not cool. God is a just God. Everything that somebody has done that's wrong, God says, I will repay. It will be handled. But at the same time, the Bible throws this in and says, he's a loving God that is merciful and gracious. What is mercy? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. So if you deserve something, you've done something, and God says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm not going to give that punishment to you. But you, you own it. You've done it. That's mercy. Grace is when he gives you something good that you don't even deserve. So God is just... But at the same time, he's loving, he's merciful, he doesn't give us what we deserve, and he's gracious. He gives us things that we don't deserve, good things, 
that we're just like, I, I, what, what, are you, what are you doing this? The, the skit here, kind of just think about it, the symbolism, what's going on here. The little robot creature, the creation, the masterpiece that the old man created. It goes, it does its own thing, it wants control, and then things are out of control. It's like, this is chaos, but in, in some ways, that creation kind of likes it. Like, yeah, there's some pleasure in the chaos, doing the things that we don't want to do. But here comes the old man. You wonder, man, is he going to take that stick and beat that thing? What have you done? No, we don't see that. We see mercy. We see grace extended. I'm going to take you. You, you, you have messed up. You, you are chaos, and I'm going to turn you back into something beautiful. This is the God of the Bible, but it also says that he's sovereign. He's a ruler. He's the supreme ruler over everything. Satan, the devil, is a real person, you guys. He's invisible. He's not everywhere at once. He can't be everywhere at once like God. He doesn't know everything like God. He knows a lot. And he's not all powerful, but he is very powerful. But God is the sovereign ruler. There is nothing that the devil can do unless God allows it. So I'm just trying to give you a glimpse of this, this God, the God of the Bible, because this whole week at River Valley Ranch, we're talking about God. And we assume sometimes the people that are on staff at RVR, the counselors, a lot of us grew up going to church, hearing about God, but that's not true for a lot of you. So we throw out this God word, name, and we all forget sometimes that some of you are just like, who the heck are you talking about? What God? What's he like? Sometimes we think like you guys know this book. Many of you don't. You want to. Basics, man. This is who the real God is. And as we saw, we've been learning this week, he's the creator. And everything that he creates is good because he's good. Everything that comes from him, the Bible says that he's the, he's the father of lights and, and every good and perfect gift comes from him. So when he made this original creation, his masterpiece, the universe, the, the planet, earth, and he made Adam and Eve and all the animals, as I was saying, everything's in perfect unity, harmony. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 18, I read it to you last night, God puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he says, one thing you can't do, don't eat from the tree of the middle of the Garden of Eden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They go near that tree, and they are confronted by the devil in the form of a snake. And he lies to them. He's a deceiver. John 8, says the devil is the father of lies. He tempts them. And what does he tempt them with? It's not just a piece of fruit that's going on there. It's not just about the fruit. He's saying that the fruit, if you take it, you get to be like God. You get to be powerful. You get to have the control that God has. God's been holding out on you. God has lied to you. That's what he's saying. And they buy into that. They want the control. Before you get mad at Adam and Eve, listen to me. We're no different. I'm no different. We think we got a better way all the time. 
It's, it's, it's in us. I recently traded in my F-150 truck, and I got myself a little cargo minivan because I do, when I'm not speaking and doing this kind of thing with teenagers, I do side jobs. So I got this little cargo van, right? So I buy this thing, and it comes with an owner's manual. And they were, the, the dealership pointed the owner's manual out. Hey, seriously, they, they did this. Keep up with this thing. Check off when you need to do stuff. At 4,000 miles, you change the oil. And then every three to 4,000, I said, I know, I know. I've had cars for a long time. I've driven for like 30 years now. They're like, okay. There's other things. This is when you've got to change the transmission fluid. This is when you've got to uh, do this, probably get new tires. I'm not a gearhead, man. I more know a little bit more about house stuff. I, I don't know much about cars. But I said, you know what? I'm really going to follow this book. I'm really going to check things off. There's literally a part in this book, this owner manual, where you check things off. I'm at 30,000 miles. I need a radiator flush or something like that, you know? I'm, I'm going to check this off. They said, if you do this, man, you, take, you will take care of this. This thing's going to last you. Well, that's what I want. Hey, listen, I'm not Ford. I didn't make that thing. I don't know anything about this thing and what it needs. I trust Ford. They're trying to help me go, this is the best thing for this vehicle. And what if I was just like, I don't want that. The dealer's like, no, it's yours. It comes with the van, dude. I don't want that. It's going to help you take care of this thing. You need to know what you got to do. Nah, man. I mean, it talks about you got to change the oil at 4,000 miles. I change the oil every 18,000 miles. That's the way I like to do it. You know what that dealer would be doing. He'd be looking at the other guys like, can't, can't kill the thing. You need to put this type of gas in it. No, nah, I'm going to do diesel. It's a gas van. I like the way diesel smells. It does not diesel motor. That's how I roll. That's what I'm putting in it. In fact, I don't even like the oil thing. What? I'm draining the oil y'all put in it before I leave the parking lot. What you going to put in it? Maple syrup. <laughs> I love it. That has nothing to do with the van that you love maple syrup. That's, that's, that's your stomach. I don't care. It's my van. You guys know. I'm not making it out of the parking lot. I'm going to listen to someone who understands the van way more than me. That's really the big idea we're trying to get through to you guys. This control thing, what we want. We don't, really guys, we can't handle the control. We don't know what to do with every situation in life. We want control. We want to feel like we're in control. But in so many ways, we're not. And you're going to see that throughout your life. Some of you have already had a mom or a dad die. Some of you have already had mom or dad divorce or a parent walk out on you. Some of you have had a, maybe a brother or sister that's died or been diagnosed with something that's really bad. 
Or maybe they were born with a serious disability and you're still ticked off at God for that. Why did you let that happen, God? Life is hard. There's so many things we can't control. Some of you keep watching the news and you think, oh, that's so horrible that that happened in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's so horrible that that happened there. Sooner or later, it's you. You go to church and people take prayer requests. Please pray. Pray for my son. He was in a bad car accident. Please pray for my daughter. She was diagnosed with this, this, uh, this, this type of cancer, this rare form. That is so horrible. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wait, did I get a snap? Sooner or later, it's you. It's you. It will happen. Something's going to come, and you're like, it's out of control. I don't know what to do, and you're going to be just like this robot. I don't know what to do. He does. This God that I'm explaining to you, who he is, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, just, loving, merciful, gracious, sovereign, creator God, He's never freaked out. Nothing scares him. Nothing shakes him. Nothing surprises him. So I want to wrap up with this tonight. When Adam and Eve made that choice in the garden, that life-changing choice, I want you to understand the consequences of that. This is very important for you to understand life. Listen to me. This will help make a lot of sense um, of life for you. Because a lot of people, they don't get really like, what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with me? And why, if God is real, why can't I feel him? Why can't I get to him? What, what? Listen, when Adam and Eve made that decision to disobey God's command, the Bible calls that sin. You hear that word thrown around sometimes here at camp. If you go to church, maybe every now and then on TV, not as much as when I was a kid, but you might hear that word sin. That means disobedience to God. God says, do this, and you say, no, I'm going to do something else. Or God says, don't do that. Don't touch that tree. Don't eat from that. I'm going to think I'm going to have a bite. That is sin. You think of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard of those. All these thou shalt nots. Don't lie, don't kill, don't murder, all these things. When you break those, the Bible calls that sin. And some people go, oh, man, you know, the Ten Commandments, all the commands in the Bible, you know, they're in there so that we, we, we can do them all. We're going to do them all. Listen, let me tell you what the Ten Commands show us is that we can't do them all. The Ten Commandments show us just how much we're messed up, that we break them. I mean, that whole, like, don't lie. Some of you are just like, man, I lied this week. Some of you are like, I lied today. <laughs> we, we break them. God wants us to see that we are lawbreakers, that we're messed up. I've talked with some of you as I've walked around camp this week. I'm not going to share anybody's name or point to it. Like, That's the guy that told me this. But some of you have shared with me some of the stuff that you've been into back home. That's fine. You can confide in me. I am honored that you trust me like that. It's between me and you and God. Some of you have told me things that have happened to you, that's been done to you. Listen, man, we're all messed up. 
We all have had things done to us. We are all lawbreakers. We're not perfect. We've done things that we know we shouldn't have done. We've said things that we know we shouldn't have said. We've put things in our bodies that we know we shouldn't have. We've done things with our bodies that we know we shouldn't have. What we've done to other people, there's things that we know we shouldn't have done. It goes on and on. That's all of us. Do you get what I'm saying? Me too. I'm not standing up here because they're like, man, we found this one dude to come speak this week because this dude's got his junk together. They had me come speak because they're like, there's one dude that everybody relates to because he's so messed up. <laughs> Bring Jason in. I got some of your counselors coming up to me saying, my students really connect with you. You know why? Because you're real. You share stuff that, you're, that some, of, some of y'all have told your counselor, I can't even believe you share that. I would never share that with anybody. Why? Why front on you? Why fake? Oh, I got so much together in my life. No, I don't. God has been the one to help me begin to get things together, but I'm still so broken. I'm like this skit, this, this creature that I've learned. Like he's come and he's begun to heal me, but every time I start to get away from, get away from him, he taps me and he's just like, yo, you know what happens. You mess your life up. And I'm just like, yeah, I need to stay close to you. And I go back, man. I need him. Sin has messed us up. Real quick, consequences of sin. Number one, Isaiah 59.2 says, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Isaiah 59.2, listen to this. You do not come into this world as a son or a daughter of God or a child of God. He said, but I thought we were all God's children. We're human beings. He made us. That's right. We're all God's creation. But we are separated from God. That's why you might say, man, I don't, I don't feel close to God. There's something between God and I. And actually, when I hear things about God or there's songs about God, there's something in me that stirs up and it's, it's not good. There's something in me that I feel guilt. I feel shame because of the things I've done. And it's like, man, I, I don't even know if I want to go to church. Right? Hey, if that's what you feel, I have felt that too. Because I got junk that I've done. There's a separation. It's because of sin. Adam and Eve didn't just jack up their lives. They jacked up the whole human race. None of us come into this world as God's children. The good news, what I'm going to share with you tomorrow night, is that we can become God's children through his son, Jesus Christ. And listen, we can become God's children not because we're so religious, not because we obey the Ten Commandments. It's not about do this, don't do that. You're going to learn tomorrow night that it's not about do, do, do. It's about done. You say done what Jesus has done. Somebody come to me and say, man, when you stand before God, if he says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I will say nothing about what I've done. I'm going to point to the man that's at his right hand. The man at his right hand is the son of man, the God man, Jesus Christ. If the father asks me that, which he won't because he's all-knowing, why is he going to ask me, I watched, I'll let you into heaven. 
I'm confused today. He ain't going to do that. But if he did that, I'm going to point at Jesus. Look at his hands. Look at his feet. Look at the scar on his side. He paid my price. The only reason you let me in is him. I hold to the fold of his robe. I'm a mess. See, what we're offering you from what God's offering you from the Bible, what River Valley Ranch is about, it's not about religion. It's not about do, do, do. We're trying to help you understand that God is saying, man, it's about what I've done. If you will just receive it. Hey, guys, I suck at religion. I suck at being religious. I always mess up. Christianity, I'm not a good Christian a lot of times. I still slip and say things that I'm just like, oh. And my teenage kids, they let me know. Hey, Dad, Mom, do you hear what Dad said? I'm just like, hey, go to your room. (laughs) Sin brings separation. Number two. Sin, Adam and Eve's sin, has infected the heart of all of us. Romans 5.12 says that because of one man's sin, death is spread to all men because all men sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitfully wicked. So bad, who can know it? That goes against some of what grandma told you, right? When you were like two, two, three years old. Oh my goodness, look at little Johnny. Johnny, come here. He's got such a good heart. He's a good heart. He's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. Look at him. Oh, he just hit his sister. He did that love. He's got a good heart. Oh, he's killing her. He's, it's, he loves her. He loves her. He loves her. He's going to, that's, all right, let's intervene. Okay. Grandma told you you got a good heart. God says, no, you don't. There's sin in your heart. Where'd you get it from? Great, great grandpappy, Adam. It's been passed down through the whole human race. You say, Jason, come on, man. I I do have a good heart. I didn't say that you're incapable of doing some good things. I didn't say you have no good in you. You know what I'm saying? You're not Darth Vader. But there's sin in you. There's that want for control. Hey, don't answer out loud, but just think for a second. Anybody have to teach you how to lie? Anybody have to come in and show you how to be selfish? Anybody have to come in and actually train you how to be rude, how to be a complete jerk? Anybody train you just how to be violent, how to manipulate? I mean, did mom and dad sit you down? Well, no, there was a course in elementary school, right, that taught all of us, right? No, it all comes natural. See, my, my job as a parent, I'm constantly correcting my kids, I'm constantly telling him things. My son just flew out to Missouri yesterday with some buddies. He's 16 years old. Went out there to see some of his old friends. Guess what I got to do? I got to get on the phone and constantly remind him because he's at Miss Mary and Mr. Mike's house for his friend Cooper. I got to say, Noah, remember, thank you. Say thank you. Clean, help clean up the dishes after dinner. Don't walk away and leave it to their parents. Pick up your stuff. I'm constantly telling them do things like that. Offer to pay for some of your meals. We gave you money. Don't put it on them to pay for. 
You know, because what comes natural is like, I'm here. Can you clean my clothes, Miss Mary? What time is dinner? About time. I'm all, I don't like pizza. I had pizza yesterday. All of this, it's so natural. Sin is natural. When my little kid, my, my, my kids were little, oh my goodness, I would just sit back and I would look at my wife and I was just like, what's wrong with them? Like the first word out of their mouth was mine. I, I want to play with the Legos with you. Mine. No, dad. Who are you? My wife, man, all the time. That's your kid. They get that from you. I'm like, and anything good they do, my wife takes credit. Like, even, like, anything good, positive, even, like, with their physical bodies, like, my two daughters have, like, you know, the type of skin where they get, they get pretty good tans and dark complexion, and I'm, like, so white. Like, some, in the winter, I look albino, or I look like a chemo patient. I'm, my wife's just like, she's told me, like, what wife says this? She's like, you just don't look good in the winter. She's like, you look sick. Um, don't shave your beard. That makes you look worse. And when you shave your head, I don't know what you're doing. But don't do that. You, you don't look good. I'm, okay. Anything that's wrong with the kids. When, when they get like something, when they have allergies really bad, she's like, oh, my goodness. I heard her talking to her friend on the phone. She's like, they, they got that from Jason. Jason's family, they all have allergies. My son, like, broke his leg on a trampoline. She's like, ush, uncoordinated. That's what runs in your family. <laughs> Pray for my marriage. Nah, she's actually awesome. But she does do that. She teases me a lot. Um, but my kids, the point is they're infected with sin. They're sinners. I can't tell you what because it's confidential between my son and I, but uh, he did something that he shouldn't have recently. He didn't tell me the truth about something. That's big in my house. I tell my kids, tell me the truth. Got to tell me the truth. If you broke the law, if you were speeding, if you stole something, if you got a girl pregnant, you tell me the truth. And we'll deal with the truth. You got to tell me the truth. Well, he didn't tell me the truth about something. And he came up, and he did the man up thing. I was about to go to bed. He busted in my bedroom. He was like, I got to talk to you. I said, I'm here. He shut the door. He started crying. He said, I lied to you. I lied to mom. I said, why'd you do that? Because I want to look good in your eyes. I don't want you to think bad about me. I want, I said, stop. Is dad broken and messed up? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, do I expect you to be perfect? Sometimes I feel like you do. I said, no, no, that's a lie from the enemy. I never expect you to be perfect. He thought he was going to get big trouble. I decided to show him mercy and grace, and I hugged him. I told him how proud I am for manning up and telling me the truth. 
He doesn't know it, but he walked out of the room and I cried. Because <laughs> he cares about the truth. He saw that I got sin in me. I did something, but he fessed up about it instead of fronting and faking like so many other people. And you know how it goes. It'll eventually come out. Aren't we seeing that all the time with the Me Too movement? Why don't we all just get real? I got issues. I did something I shouldn't. I got to deal with it before it gets out of hand. My point is, sin has separated us from God, and we are all infected. We are all messed up. Do you know how many times I've had to apologize to my kids? Not just them coming to me. I've had to say, I am sorry. Dad was wrong. I've had to do it with my wife, beg for her forgiveness. I'm sorry. The other thing sin does, almost done, is it creates that conflict, that chaos we've been talking about this week. It creates a conflict, a chaos. Some of you have experienced even some conflict and chaos here at camp this week. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not judging you, looking down on you. But this tension, I was talking to one, one dude today, a camper. He was telling me just like, man, I don't get along with my mom and dad. It was so different. There's this, this tension. There's just this, <laughs> I want to say, welcome to the planet. Sin created all this. this. This problem with human beings, one-on-one with family members, with friends, with the people in school that we don't get along with. There's people at school that some of you are like, I hate them. I understand. And it goes to an even higher level with humanity to where nations hate each other. Have you thought about the nuclear war thing? We've gotten to the point throughout our history as human beings, where we're just like we've created something, this weapon of mass destruction that would just obliterate not just like a neighborhood, like a nation. Multiple nuclear weapons. I mean, just think of... Do you realize the hate that's going on with terrorism? The hate that's there, listen, because you're American, because you're from the West, because you're not committed and a devout follower of Allah, you are hated. If any of them had the chance to come in here and blow you away and kill you, they would. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, extreme, whatever you want to call them. This is the world. And so we've got to come up with things like weapons, attack choppers, attack planes. We've got to create special ops groups that train for literally years to go in and stop people like this. This is how bad the conflict is. It never stops. Do you realize you forget about this because y'all get so wrapped up in your world and you get so wrapped up with social media and, you know, Netflix or whatever else, sports, your friends, whatever. Do you realize there is nonstop patrol around this country? Do you realize that there are ships and planes constantly in motion to protect you because you're an American? They never stop. They're always out at sea. They're always in the air. There's always radar up 24-7. If somebody takes a shift off and they go to bed, somebody keeps watching. Do you ever think about why? Hate, conflict, kill, destroy. 
We've got to have it. You ever think about why we have to have police officers? Why there has to be fences? You ever think about the fact that why there's a lock on your apartment door or your house door? Why every time some of you go to bed, you're just like, wait, I forgot. You go down and you check it just like my youngest daughter does. Man, she'd be hitting deadbolts, everything. It's the consequences of sin. It's the world we live in. Last one, last consequence of sin, death. Death. Death is such an unpopular topic. It's so funny to me that in the public schools, they teach about almost everything but death. And it's the one thing that's going to happen to all of us. And you all know what I'm talking about because there are some subjects that we're learning in school that you, I know you've been like, how am I ever going to use this in life? And the teacher's just like, you're going to use it on Friday's test, so you better learn it. You're just like, oh, my gosh. What has this got to do with anything? Some, you know, hey, man, let me tell you something. One of the consequences of sin is death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin or the cost of sin is death. God told Adam and Eve, you eat of that tree, you will surely die. It wasn't just them, it was the whole human race. God is immortal, eternal, and he created us to be immortal and eternal. But now human beings die. you got to get that through your head. We die. The average lifespan of a human being is around 70 years. That's 25,550 days at best that you probably got here on the planet. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I'm over halfway there. I can already feel it with my body and everything at the age I am. You'll see when you get to my age, it's already fading. I'm not where I used to be. I'm doing things that I used to make fun of my parents for. I can't remember my own kids' names. I've been calling Noah Autumn and Autumn Gabrielle, and they're just like, Dad. And I'm just like, ugh. Just like my dad. We're going to die. Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. There's a physical death that's going to come to you. Here's something else you guys don't think about sometimes, not just about our military, the protection, the conflict. You don't, think, you don't realize how many graveyards you pass on the way to River Valley Ranch. You don't even think about it. You're just driving. If there's something that's, like, beautiful, like, oh, look at the lake. Oh, look at the cornfield. Deer. See, I'm wired different. It's because I've seen death my whole life. I see graveyards. I spot them all the time. There's another one. There's another one. The sand in the hourglass is falling for you, Jason. Time is ticking. Death is coming for you, Jason. You only got a little bit of time left. Don't waste it. I'm going to die. Some of you in this room, you'll probably hear about it. I don't know when it is. Oh, man. I remember that guy. Maybe it's next year. What? He ain't coming back to get Jason. Hey, I'm going to die. You better, you better start accepting the fact you're going to die. This is one of the consequences of sin. But let me tell you this. Physical death is not the worst death. The Bible talks about two deaths. The first death is physical death. That's where your heart stops beating, your brain waves stop waving, and it says that the soul actually leaves the body. Because in case you don't know this, this isn't you. 
This is what you live in. This is flesh. This is blood. This is chemicals. But there's a person inside. And when the physical body dies, you, the soul, the you that's in you, that's in your body, it leaves. But the Bible says the worst death is a second death. It's talked about in the book of Revelation. You say, what is that? It's eternal separation from God in a place of torment. It's the second death. It's where God casts people out to a place of torment, and there's no timeouts, there's no water breaks, and nobody prays you out of there. That's a lie for those of you that have heard that and come up in a church that says that. That's a lie. That's not in the Bible. Once you die, if you are eternally separated from God, it's over. There, you, you can't fix it. So what we're talking about this week as tomorrow as we move into who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, you've got to pay attention. Because listen, we're all going to physically die. Can't escape that. I, I don't have anything to tell. I don't have a secret sauce to give you guys to stop that from happening. But I tell you what I got. I've got the solution right here that will keep you from the second death, eternal separation from God. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him will not perish, talking about hell, eternal separation, but will have everlasting life. Then the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn or judge the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. Why did Jesus come to save you? Why did he send them so you don't have to have the second death? We're all going to die, but God does not want to be separated from you forever. That's not what he wants. But God is a just God. He will punish sin. He will punish sinners. But those who choose to believe in Jesus Christ, he says, I show you mercy. I show you grace because my son on the cross took your sin punishment for you. That's the message we're sharing here. It's not about religion. It's not about do this, don't do that. It's about done. Jesus has done it for us. That's where we're going tomorrow night. Hey, guys, look at me. We're going to pray. This is what has changed my life. What was my major in college? Religion. And I investigated and I tried to study. I looked at so many different world religions while I was in college. And it wasn't just because I was trying to be a good Christian. I was trying to see if Christianity is also true. Is it right? Is there some other way? Let me tell you something. This Jesus thing, this man that lived 2,000 years ago, that flipped the world upside down, changed this planet, that died but rose on the third day, Dude, there's more than something to it. I've tasted and I've seen. He's real. He can come in your life. He can begin to change your life. You die, he will take you to heaven with him. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you have done through giving us your gift of Jesus Christ. We admit that it is chaos down here. Things are so out of control in the world, in our country, with politics, 
in our families, in our schools, in our hearts. But thank you that you have a solution. You have a cure. And that cure is your son, Jesus, who can give us forgiveness, can give us new life, can give us hope, can give us meaning, can give us heaven when we die. Thank you for that. Thank you that you just aren't a just God, but you're merciful and you're gracious and you're loving. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.